I need you to represent yourself on Thanksgiving after you have eaten a lot of turkey. <laughs> Thanksgiving afternoon, you have eaten a lot of turkey. The tryptophan has consumed your body, and now it is about 2.30 on, on Thursday afternoon. Sit in your chair and represent what you look like about 2.30 on, on, on Thursday afternoon after having consumed all the turkey. What do you look like? You didn't eat no turkey? <laughs> Willie, you are killing me. Let's imagine for a second that you had eaten a lot of turkey, okay? Did you eat anything on Thursday? You did? Did you eat a lot on Thursday? You ate a whole Thanksgiving dinner, but it did not consist of turkey at all. Did you eat ham? Does ham make you tired when you eat ham? No. <laughs> We're going to need a new volunteer. Okay, let, let, you're going to have to act for me, okay? So this is not actually you on Thanksgiving. This is somebody else on Thanksgiving that has eaten a lot of food, and they're really, really tired, okay? Like somebody that has eaten a lot of turkey, which you don't eat, apparently, and they, they have just eaten a whole bunch of food, which you apparently don't eat on Thanksgiving. How can I have picked somebody that does not eat a lot on Thanksgiving, you know? So picture yourself tired on Thanksgiving, 2.30. Lay, lay, lay back, this, yeah, like, like this. And you kind of got your head down a little bit, your eyes kind of closed. You ever close your eyes, Willie? No, not really? Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, see, don't, don't stress, man. This is easy. All you got to do is sit there, okay? You got me? Okay, all right. So, so this is me. Like, uh, Picture me on Thanksgiving. This is what I look like at about 2.30. I'm really tired. You got to act for me, man. You're still in your acting mode. Lay back, lay back. Okay, yeah. Okay. Pretend you're sleeping, okay? Like a nap at 2.30 on, on Thursday. Okay, all right, good. Whew, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> all right, now I need uh, somebody that's going to represent me on, on Saturday at about 4 o'clock during the Iron Bowl. It's going to be in this chair right over here. Brian, will you be my, my Saturday Iron Bowl guy right over here? Just bring your chair over here. Look, you don't have to be an Auburn fan or Alabama fan. You're just a guy watching the Iron Bowl, and you're passionate about the Iron Bowl, okay? Just come on. You can do this. I know, it doesn't matter. You're just a guy watching the Iron Bowl. It doesn't matter. Bring a chair up here. Because this is you watching the Iron Bowl at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, okay? We'll just assume 4 o'clock because things are still intense by that point, right? So, All right, so how do you watch the Iron Bowl? It's 4 o'clock. How are you watching it? Like that? You're probably like standing in your chair at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're pretty nervous. At that point, you're pretty intense, like pretty anxious, right? Like, so, so there's two ends of the spectrum here. One is you got to sleep, Willie, sleep. Okay, so one end of the spectrum is, is like just like laid back, relaxed, completely like just Thursday afternoon, 2.30, and then there's Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock, really intense, on the edge of your seat, like... You know what I mean? Like, and this is pretty much in, in the state of Alabama. Everybody's like this, okay? So it doesn't matter if you're an Auburn, Alabama fan. You're like this, okay? So there's so like two ends of the spectrum here, right? You realize that as, as Christians, I, I want you to understand something. So, so what happens is, I have said this before, and, and I'll say it again, and I want you to get something here. And what I have said about Simple Church is that I don't want you to be like this about Simple Church, Okay? I want you to be in the mindset of God is calling me to a different place. 
God is calling me somewhere else to take what I have here, and I want to be attentive and listening to the Holy Spirit. Just like I am watching Alabama and Auburn play football, I am listening attentively and watching because I know there is something else that God has called me to. Because what can happen is when I am very comfortable, when I say, man, I am in a place where I've never been learning like I am learning now, praise God, I want to be in this place forever because I am learning and it is so great here. That is a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. That is a great thing that God is teaching you something here. But this is a problem. Here is the problem with that, is that you can be like this. You can lull yourself to sleep where you are not listening to the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to be like this, where you are attentive and you are listening. And you say, if this happens to be the place where God has me right now, so be it. But I am listening and I am attentive and I am paying attention to where the Holy Spirit of God is leading me. Do you got the difference now? Do you see the difference? Because some people are like, oh, Kenny, why are you telling me to get out of here? I, I finally feel in a place where I'm comfortable. I finally found a place where I, I feel like I'm learning something. Wonderful. Great. That's amazing. But stay like this. Do you recognize when, when, when God says, be still and know that I am God? He's not saying be still and, and sit on your hands. He's saying be still and be ready to go at a moment's notice. Be in the starting blocks. Be poised and ready to go so that when I say go, you're ready to go. That's what you're supposed to do. But this is the problem. In the American church in particular, the American church in particular, this is where we want to be. This is where we want, we want to be Thursday afternoon at 2.30 going, man, this is comfortable. I like this. This is easy. I can sit here in church. I can take a nap. I can just continue going about my thing. And yeah, I'm learning. And God's pouring some stuff in up here. That's wonderful. Why would God choose to pour stuff in up here and in here? It's so that it could come out here. If you're not doing anything with it, then what good is it for it to come in here? The purpose. So you can do something with it. Be poised. Be ready to go. Be attentive to what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. That's why I challenge you, if you're going to be on one end of the spectrum, be on this end of the spectrum and not on this end of the spectrum. Yeah. Do you see where I'm going with that? All right, guys, thank you yeah. so much. I appreciate it. You could, oh, you got to say something? Oh, no, this is a very touchy subject to Willie. He's, he's worried that I'm trying to kick him out of the church. <laughs> and guess what? I ain't watched an Alabama I'm all the football game and. Since 09. I ain't watched a football game since 09, so you can't say I was watching a football game. So, Willie, you didn't eat turkey at Thanksgiving. No, man. You didn't eat a bunch. No. You didn't watch Alabama-Auburn football no, on Saturday. Man. No, no, I didn't, man. I, and, 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 and you're terribly disturbed by the fact you think I'm trying to kick you out of the church. Is that right? Well, you know, like I told you before, you might as well love me because I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to start over. I'm going to start back. Kayla, if you and the band will come up, we're going to start over again. Because nobody heard what I heard. All they heard was what Willie said. What I said, all they heard was what Willie said. Sometimes you just look at God and go, all right, you did that, huh? I don't believe in karma, but I do believe in a God with a sense of humor. So, 
Thank you, Willie. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Appreciate your willingness to come up here. You did it unbegrudgingly, and I appreciate that. Uh, so uh, I feel like, I mean, I did. I got that question again, again, like last week. It's like, what do you mean you want us to go somewhere else? It's like, no, I want you to have the mindset that you're supposed to go somewhere else. Because you can lull yourself to sleep. You can lull yourself into this place of comfort where you're like, I just want to sit back and relax and enjoy where I am. And that's a problem. And I want you to know that, that you can fall in love with that system. The system of doing the same thing every Sunday and Wednesday. You can fall in love with that. And it can become your idol. Do you realize that? I, I can remember preaching at a church that is no longer really... I mean, they don't have a building anymore. They've got a new building. They've gone somewhere else. They, they've, their congregation size has just went almost to nothing. I remember preaching to them before, and, and I said, I said, look, you got to stop. you, you got to stop worshiping the gift. you got to stop worshiping the building and all this stuff, and you gotta stop wor- you got to start worshiping the giver. Yeah. It's got to stop being about the, the building. And, and, man, they were all in an uproar about, man, I, I was baptized in this building, and my great-grandparents were baptized in this building, and well, who gives a rip? I don't care. There was one that baptized you. And his name was Jesus Christ. And it was the Holy Spirit of God that indwelt you. Who cares about the building? Bricks and mortar did not baptize you. But you can fall in love with this, this comfort level, this, this taking it easy, and oh, I really like it. And you can fall in love with listening to Kenny Nicks every week, too. You know that, right? And that can become your idol, too. You know what I want you to fall in love with? It's this book right here. I want you to, I want you to listen to Kenny Nicks and go, man, I wish I'm, I'm going to go home and I, I'm going to read some more because I really love what's in this book. That's what I want you to fall in love with. Because you know what? When I talk about being poised and ready to go, I want you to know this about Kenny Nicks. I want you to know this, okay? This may mean that you don't come back next Sunday, and that's okay with me. At any point in time, Kenny Nicks could be right here, poised and listening to the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God could say, Kenny Nicks, you're not going back next Sunday. You're going somewhere else. I want you to know that about me. I will be so attentive that I'm listening to the Holy Spirit every single moment of my life that it may be 9 o'clock on Sunday morning that I do not come back here. I want you to know that about Kenny Nix. If that means that you do not want me to be your pastor, then you need to tell the other leadership that Kenny Nix does not need to be the pastor of Simple Church anymore because he cannot make a guarantee that he will be here every single Sunday. I am going to be listening to the Holy Spirit of God every single moment of my life To the point where I will do absolutely what he wants me to do every single moment. And I am not afraid of that. That is exactly how Simple Church started. And I will not not waver from that. I don't care what anybody has to say about that. I don't care what anybody has to say about that. And I am so afraid that we got so many Christians that just want to continue doing church and stop worrying about what God has called them to do. And that is the same religious system that the Jews fell into. It became their idol. They liked the system. They liked the way it looked. They liked the comfort of it. Well, I can just do this, do that, do this, and then I'm good. 
And Jesus comes along. He says, no, no, who cares about what you do? What does your heart look like? And they go, whoa, 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 dude, you can't, you can't be challenging me on my heart. Why, why are you talking about my heart? I, I'd much rather deal with the outside. That's a lot easier to deal with. Can't I just fast this many days? And, and can't I just go to the temple this many days and that be good? Because I'd much rather do that. I'd much rather do that because that's a lot easier. And if you're doing that, and you're thinking you're good, and you're thinking you're a Christian, then your Christianity is a joke. And it ain't real. And you're only lying to yourself. And you need to repent, and you need to come to Jesus Christ. And that's just real, y'all. Now, I will say this about this sermon series. You will probably see in the next few weeks that there will be less and less people come into this building. Our numbers will probably decline as we continue to talk about what the church is supposed to be. There will be a lot of people that will not like it. And that's okay. I know without a doubt that God has called me to preach this series. I know without a shadow of a doubt the Holy Spirit has laid this series on my heart. And I will not waver from it. Christmas is coming up. Why God put this series on on my heart with Christmas coming up, I have no idea. But I do know that God has put it there. And I'm not afraid to do what God has called me to do. I know that we would like to be preaching about the Christmas story. And you'd like for me to be telling you about the Magi. And how the book of Daniel plays into the Magi. I, I understand. And I would like to tell you some of that stuff. But I know this, that God has put this series on my heart. And I will continue to preach it in God, until God tells me not to. So we're going to look at what the church is supposed to be. We're going to look at what the early church was. And we're going to do our best to be what the early, early church was. So I want you to know where we are. So Jesus is ascended back into heaven. The disciples wait around because Jesus had told them to go back to Jerusalem, hang out for a while, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. They're hanging out. The Holy Spirit comes. Then you have people, they've actually replaced Judas now. One of the apostles, is they've got a new apostle to replace Judas, and now they're hanging out, and the Holy Spirit comes. Peter starts preaching, and man, people are starting to be added to the church, and things are going really well. It seems like Peter, whenever something uh, somebody's got to talk. Peter seems to be the one that does the talking. It's just the way things are. He seems to be the voice of the apostles. That's okay. You got a group leader. That's all right. So they're, they're hanging out. Things are going good. And it really seems like the church is pretty unstoppable at this point. Now, I want you to know, at this point in time, they're still going back to the temple and hanging out some too. They're going into people's houses um, and they're, they're, they're hanging out together. They're committed to prayer. They're committed to breaking bread together. They're committed to just, just being together and learning from the apostles' teaching. They're committed to that. They're devoted to that. That's what we talked about last week. And that's what they do. And, and here, we're going to see something that happens. In Acts chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning. We're just going to talk about it. And I want you to know, I believe there's something to be seen here. I believe that there's something that is being taught, and I don't know that sometimes we recognize what is being taught here. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a lame man from birth came, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, get up and walk. 
Then Peter took the lame man by the hand, right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, jumped up, stood to his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was a lame beggar, they had, had, off, had seen often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So what's happening? So I want you to understand something here, too. And so this, this is something I found intriguing. So Peter and John are, are walking in. They're going into the temple, which they do on a regular basis. See, they don't even know right now that, that, they're not, that the temple is really not something that they're not supposed to do. That it's not really necessary, that, that it's not really the, the dwelling place of God necessarily. They're just hanging out there because they need a good place to hang out. So they're hanging out at the temple. They're Jewish people, so that's what they do. They go to the temple. Now, they also go to houses and hang out there. I think because there's such a large number of Christians at this point in time that they need a big place to hang out. So they hang out outside in, in the big courtyard area, and they hang out there, and they talk about Jesus. And, and I, I think they're doing this at a pretty large risk, too. But they're, they're doing this, and they're hanging out there, and, and Peter and, and John are coming in. And, you know, John, they always depict, it always bothered me the way they depict John in the pictures. You know, he's always got this girly face, you know, and he's... He's always got this angelic look to him, bright eyes. You know, he's got his head leaned over on Jesus and all this kind of stuff. And he, man, the dude was a fisherman. He was partnered with Peter, and they were fishermen. He was probably gruff, had a rugged beard. He probably had guns. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't a wuss. I mean, like, I mean, it always bothered me the way they always made John look in, in the pictures. Anyway, that's a side note. But anyway, so... Like, so, so, so John and Peter are, are, are walking in the temple, and, and notice that, that this beggar's hanging out there, and, uh, and he, he hangs out there all the time. And you know what's interesting to me is that Peter and John say, I, I, I don't really have any money to give you right now. Now, what did we read just a minute ago, in, uh, a minute ago, last week, in chapter 2? We just read that the, the Christians got together. And what did they do? They pulled all their money together to give to those who had need, right? You remember that? So they pulled their money together to give to those who had need. This lame beggar is saying that, sitting there. He says, I got a need. Why don't you give me some money? And John and Peter say, no, we ain't giving you no money. Well, what is up with that? I thought we we're supposed to give to those who had a need. Well, Kenny, what are you saying? We're not supposed to go to those that, that have a need? No, that's not what I'm saying. Jesus says, as a matter of fact, that, that when I was thirsty, you gave me something to eat. When I was hungry, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was in prison, you came to visit me, right? And when did we do that, Jesus? When you gave to the least of these. When you did for the least of these, that's when you did it for me. So obviously, we're supposed to do for those that are in need, right? Maybe what Peter and John saw was a greater need for this man. Right? Maybe they saw a healing that was needed for this man that was above and beyond his begging. And that's the need that they met. And so that, that's what they said. Said, you know what? You don't need money, dude. That's not what you need. You need healing. Real healing. The, the kind of healing that comes through faith. And they're not just talking about a physical healing. They're talking about faith in Jesus Christ. That's an eternal healing. Man, we get so wrapped up. And, and man, oh, I got... I got a spleen that hurts, and I got a, 
a bum knee and all this kind of stuff. Man, if we could get our minds off all this physical stuff. And look, I got stuff that hurts me. And I got, I got a daughter that passed away from cancer. And look, I know how bad all that physical stuff hurts. But this is what I know. I know that the eternal healing is what matters the most because when my daughter died, it didn't matter how much I prayed and prayed and prayed for that cancer to go away. What mattered is that she put her faith in Jesus Christ and because of that, she has eternal healing. And because of that, that's what matters. When you pour Jesus Christ into somebody, man, that is eternal healing. That is eternal. He says, get up in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is where you will find your healing. Oh, man. We're like, oh, I just, I want somebody to, to lay hands. and somebody get up and run across the stage? I want to see that. Man, I just, want, I just want to see a Christian pray for somebody and lead them to the Lord. That's what I want to see. I want, to, I want to see them get down face to face with somebody who feels like they got no hope and look at them and say, I've been there. I know how you feel. But Jesus Christ, that's what you really need. That's what you really That's where I found my hope. Let me tell you about it. Let me tell you how God turned my life upside down and, and now I have a hope that I can't even describe to you. It turned me upside down. It, it, it ripped me inside out. And, and now I don't even see things the same way. The things that I thought I used to need, I don't even need those anymore. I recognize that Jesus is all I need. And all that other garbage that I thought that I needed, I don't need that anymore. That's a greater miracle to me than seeing somebody yank somebody up out of a wheelchair. Seeing somebody throw their crutches down and run across the stage. I'd way rather see a Christian get down face to face with somebody that's homeless and feels like they have no hope. Give them something to eat and tell them about Jesus. That's what I'd rather see. That's what I'd rather see. So Peter saw this opportunity, it says in verse 12. Saw this opportunity. Hmm. Saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said. What is so surprising about this? And... and <clears throat> Why stare at us, though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected before Pilate. Despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this fact. Well, that sounds like a real invitation, don't it? You know what he said? I mean, boy, how different is this in most of the sermons we preach, right? Come to Jesus. No, what Peter says is you killed him. You, you had the mindset to kill him, and you made it happen. They gave you the chance to reverse it and set him free, but that's not what you wanted. You'd rather have a murderer instead. Congratulations, you killed him. The one by whom this guy has the power to walk, yeah, that's the guy that you killed. Congratulations. Wow, what an invitation, Peter. Thanks. 
You know, sometimes, sometimes we don't need just a feel-good message. Sometimes we just need the truth. Peter didn't sugarcoat it. He just he said, he said, look, this is what happened. And, and he's alive now, and we're witnesses to the fact that he's alive. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I'm going to pretend like it didn't happen. You and I both, we know that it happened, and we were there. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that you and your leaders did to Jesus you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. So it, it, there's some good news here, right? So he's saying, this is the truth. You killed him. You decided to kill him, and you did. The truth is, though, that you still got another chance. This is called the gospel. This is called the good news. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for final restoration of all things as God has promised long ago. Through his holy prophets. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant of God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you, people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back. From your sinful ways. There's something that you got to understand about when the people of Israel saw healing, okay? There's something you need to know. When the people of Israel saw healing, the first thing they recognized is that this is from God, that nobody else can do healing except for the one true God. Nobody else can perform a healing miracle except for God, right? So all these other false, false uh, prophets, they're worshiping all these false gods. Those false gods obviously couldn't perform healing, right? So we know that. that they, you, can, you can do all you want to, but they're not going to perform healing. But they knew when they saw somebody being healed that they knew that that was from God, right? But this is the other thing that they knew. The healing was a sign from God. It was a sign from God. What was it a sign of? It was a sign of restoration. It was a sign of hope. It was a sign that they could still be brought back from the place that they were in. You see, you see, Peter's sitting there, he's preaching to them, and he's telling them, you've gotten things wrong all along. God had been trying to reveal himself to you through this person of Jesus Christ. You got it all mixed up. You thought you, were, you had it right, but it turns out that you were wrong, and you killed him. He says, but now's the time for you to repent of your sins, to believe in Jesus Christ and have faith just like this man had and be healed. He's teaching them about healing just like this man had. That's why Peter sees it as an opportunity. He's saying this is an opportunity for them to see about real healing. And that healing that exists for this man is the same kind of healing that exists for them. 
that they are the, the blessed people of Israel, that they too can have this healing, even though they exist in this false system where they love the system, that they've idolized the system and they've worshiped the system instead of worshiping God. And I want you to understand this too. I think, so, I, you know, I put things together in my mind, and, and you'll have to forgive me. I really, I really believe this, the Holy Spirit of God teaching me and showing me things, and, 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 and I, I, I can't help but to assume it must be God showing me things. So I, I couldn't help but to think about this particular passage from Second Chronicles chapter 7. It's, it's, it's a passage that you all have heard before. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read the whole thing. Well, let me start with the passage that you've heard before, and you'll recognize this. And then we'll go back, and I'll kind of explain things a little bit. Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven, and I will forgive them of their sins, and I will heal their land. Right? You've heard that. Second Chronicles 7.14, right? So everybody's heard that verse. Some deacon, some, somebody has probably recited that at some point in your past, right? You've heard that. Well, I want you to know when this was said. I want you to know when this was said. This was immediately after the dedication of the temple. And then the Lord comes to Solomon and responds to Solomon about the temple. Okay? So we're talking about healing. Peter's preaching about healing, real healing that has come. And where is Peter preaching? It probably says in italics somewhere around your, uh, your information there in Acts chapter 3. He's preaching in the temple, right? Didn't they say they were going to the temple at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for the time of prayer? Time of sacrifice, time of prayer, roughly 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Probably says the ninth hour, depending on what version of the Bible you have. The Jewish day runs from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. The ninth hour would be about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So he's in the temple preaching. He talks about healing. And here we see God talking to Solomon about the temple that was dedicated. And this is what he says about healing. I'm going to read the whole thing to you. I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this temple to place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up heaven so that no rain falls or uh, command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. But then, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive them of their sins and I will heal their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it, set it apart to be holy. A place where my name shall be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you are faithful, follow me as David your father did, obeying my commands, decrees, and regulations. Then I will establish the throne of your dynasty. For I, I made this covenant with your father David when I said, One of your descendants will always rule over Israel. Listen to what he says. This, gets, this is where it becomes very, very important that you listen closely, okay? But if you or your descendants abandon me or disobey the decrees or the commands I have given to you, and if you serve or worship other gods, then I will uproot your people 
from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And through this temple, is, and though this temple is impressive now, all who pass by will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such a terrible things to this land and to this temple? And I will answer, because his people abandoned the Lord, the, the God of their ancestors who brought them out of Egypt, and they worshipped other gods instead and bowed down to them. And that is why he brought all these disasters upon them. I want you to know something. You can make the religious system an idol. The mundane, religious, walking through day by day, I'm going to do this, do that, check off the boxes. Instead of following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you can lull yourself to sleep. You, like tryptophan from Turkey. You, you, can, you can make yourself overwhelmed with this complacency where you're just like, I am doing my duty to Jesus and obviously he loves me and he's so pleased with what I'm doing because I come to church on Sunday morning. And you are dead wrong. I believe that God despises that kind of attitude. I, I believe he would rather you sit at home and seek his face and get out on your face and weep and ask God to direct your every step. I, I really believe, I really believe that what, what the church is lacking in a lot of times, I, I believe that the thing that consumes them the most is religiosity, this idea that, that I'm, I'm doing what all the other churches are doing. I, I'm doing all these things that I think that I'm supposed to be doing. When in reality, if you were following the leadership of the Holy Spirit... And you would say, you know what? I'm going to do what God has called me to do today, no matter what that looks like to anybody else. I want you to be poised and ready to go. I want you to be in the starting block saying, God, whatever you call me to do today, that's what I'm going to do. What, however you shake up my life, whatever you, wherever you mess up my life, I'm good with. What I think the church is missing today, man... It, it's, it, I really believe in a lot of ways it's everything. It's like I don't even know where to get, begin. I mean, you look around, especially churches in, in our area. It's, it's terrible, man. And I'm not negative on every church, but I'm saying like, like look at what they're doing. I mean, is, is, it, is it really following God? Or are people just walking in there dressed up on Sundays? Man, you could do that at Western Sizzling. Are they challenged by the word of God? Are they so deeply convicted by what God has shown them through, through his word that they walk out of there and they're thinking about it? Or are they walking out of there going at 1230, they're like, man, Fuji was really good. And they're thinking more about what they had at lunch than they are about what God has said to them that day. My hope is that, that you, 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 you walk out of here and you're so convicted by what God has said that you can't even hardly swallow your lunch. I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning most Sundays. That's no joke. Because I, I, I'm just overwhelmed by what God is showing me, what he's telling me. And I, I, I'm screaming at God in my mind. Now, I'm not doing it, you know, there in the bed because that's a little crazy. But in my mind, I'm like screaming at God. I was like, God, they, they're going to throw me out of that place. 
They're going to tell me I'm nutso. They're going to they're like, I don't know what they're going to do to me. I really don't want to say all this mess. Can you pick somebody else? You know what I mean? Really, I'm like, can you do an any, meeny, miny, mo thing and pick somebody else to do this so I don't have to? Turns out, no. Turns out it landed on me, so here I am. Now, I'm not afraid of it. I don't like it necessarily. But to tell people the truth, you know, when Jesus did it, they really wanted to throw him off a cliff. When Paul did it, they wanted to stone him. Not an easy thing to do. Not a pleasant thing to do. And the reality is, people don't want to come back next Sunday, and they certainly don't want to bring their friends. But it's something we all need to hear. The truth is something we all need to hear. And my hope is that you're taking this, what we're learning in here, you're taking this, what God has, has laid on my heart and what God is putting in your minds and in your hearts, and you're taking it out there and you're telling people and you're challenging people, why are you doing this every Sunday? Is this really what God wants you to do? Or are you doing this because this is what you think you're supposed to be doing? Are you wrapped up in a religious system or are you wrapped up in Jesus Christ? Which one is true for you? And then, and then... If you're truly convicted about, about what you've heard today and the Holy Spirit of God is working on you and maybe, just maybe, there's one or two of you that are in this place going, you know what, he's right, I'm not a Christian. God's spoken to me, I, I'm not a Christian. Playing games, pretending, acting like one. Maybe. I pray and I hope that God will convict your heart and you'll say, you know what? I need Jesus. I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of acting. I'm tired of coming to church, trying to make everything, everybody think that I am a Christian when I'm really not. Maybe that's, maybe that's how somebody will be reached through this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so thankful that God knows what he's doing because I have no idea what he's doing. Let's pray. Father, I'm, I'm grateful to you I'm grateful for Peter's words and Lord I don't understand most of what you tell me to say but Lord I trust you completely and uh, I don't know what you're going to do with these words and I don't know how they're going to affect this world but I know through the power of your Holy Spirit God you can change every single person in this world so God I just pray God whatever you're going to do Lord I just pray that we we surrender wholly to you and we say God just use these words God, use these words to change our hearts and change the hearts of people around us. God, we need you. God, I need you. I need you to, to show me what I'm supposed to do every day. Lord, there's so many days that I feel like giving up or I feel like quitting. And Lord, I pray that I would not feel that way. Lord, I pray that I would remember the, the calling that you've put on my life. I pray that I would remember, God, just the glory that it is to just be your servant. God, not to just be a pastor, but to be your servant. We're all called to be your servant. We're not insignificant. We're important in your kingdom. Not important because of who we are, but important because of who you are. And Lord, for the soul that's here and those that are not a Christian, I pray for them. I pray that they would recognize that they're just playing games and they're not real. Lord, I pray that you break their hearts. God, bring them to the very edge of death if that's what it takes so that they recognize, God, that they need you. They need an eternal healing. Whatever people are going through physically, God, it pales in comparison to what they need eternally. So God, be glorified now as we respond to you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Would everyone stand?